We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oklahoma City Thunder select Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga University. What a pass. Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie-to-rookie action. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough. Step back. Gets up the shot. Fakes This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. Coming to you live Wednesday, May 24th, as we are about four weeks away from the NBA draft. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I've got Taylor Peterson with me, but more importantly than Taylor, we have the (laughs) NBA draft goat, the man behind the Hoop Intellect Twitter and YouTube account. We've got Keandre here. Keandre, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good. I appreciate you guys having me on once again. Of course, yeah. we, We had you on last year. Uh, obviously, a huge draft for the Thunder. Hoping this one will be a big one as well. And there is never anybody better to get on a draft show than Keandre. Now, if you guys don't already follow his YouTube channel, uh, some of the best scouting videos that you can get for the draft. He hits the the positives of the players, the places of improvement, and then range draft range. And my favorite uh, will always throw out a an NBA comp to kind of get yep. you uh, acquainted with what that player might be like. So. Keandre, before we dive into the 2023 class, first just wanted to pick your brain a little bit about what you do and how you got started. Um, when did like scouting college and overseas guys and looking at NBA draft process, like when did that start for you? Yeah, so originally when I was in in college, so it was kind of like a whole process of things that was, that was going on. So I went to Oklahoma State. Um, some people know that, some people don't I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, so I went to Oklahoma. Yeah, I went to Oklahoma State, and I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do exactly as majoring in sports media. Um, one of the things that I did at the time was write about the draft. Um, so on Medium, it was just kind of more casual stuff, just trying to kind of get into certain things. But I had always followed the NBA draft for a long time. Um, just like being a kid and all that, just um. It was just always interesting to me. I like watching college and then seeing them where people would go and all those types of things. So doing a little draft writing and then at a certain point, this is like really 
condense in the story. Um, but at a certain point, I decided to kind of turn that into the YouTube channel and the YouTube videos. Um, I had already been uploading like highlights and kind of working on my editing and Photoshop skills, kind of trying to build those so I could actually make videos um, that people would want to watch, um, which it's funny that those ended up being those because I don't think that those were that good at the time. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the the very short version of the story. And then just kind of from there, just getting better and learning from different people um, in terms of like the scouting stuff and then also improving the editing and, and all that kind of stuff, just all going into one. So that's uh, that's kind of how I got started and then just kind of been trying to get better at it and, and learn from certain things that I've done well, certain things that I haven't done as well um, from that point on. So, yeah. So that is a perfect lead into the next question I have for you. But you also brought up something additional that I find really interesting. Kind of want to pick your brain on as well. But you mentioned the YouTube channel, right? This all kind of led to the YouTube channel. And like you said, clipping those highlights, uh, putting some highlights to these prospects together. How long have you been doing the YouTube channel for the listeners who are just tuning in, maybe, uh, who, who didn't get to listen to you on, on our podcast last year? And uh, how did it kind of become a thing? And I think my follow-up question to that is uh, you, you mentioned some of the people you've gotten to know. Um, it, the YouTube channel, did that kind of lead to getting to know some of these scouts and uh, different people that kind of helped you improve as a, a draft analyst? Yeah, so I can't remember exactly. I think it was 2018 that I actually started the channel um, because it was my sophomore year and I came to school and I was like, I'm about to do something. I wrote down a whole bunch of things like these are the things I want to accomplish potentially or things I want to try. And on that, like the first night that I got to my dorm, I was like, I wrote down Hoop Intellect. That was the name of the channel. And I made it the next day. That's really cool. Uh, so nothing really came out of that because I, again, I couldn't edit at all, like very well. Um, but that's when I started. And then just kind of things kind of grew from there, of course, like I was mentioning. Um, and it took on a lot of different forms. I used to do like highlights specifically of like, the more obscure players uh, or up and coming players in the league. So like Alex Caruso was one of those at the time because, you know, Bleach Report or House of Highlights, they weren't going to make a video on him at that point in time. And it ended up blowing up, got like 700,000 views. It was just kind of more to like attract eyes to the channel as I was like trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do specifically content wise. So um, that's a little more detail on that. And then in terms of like meeting people, yeah, that's that's definitely what has you know, propelled and, and kind of, um, you know, put me in a lot of different spaces and, you know, getting follows from from different type of people that I've always followed in the community for years. Um, and then obviously getting to meet some of them at Summer League and, you know, having interactions with players and here and there and everything like that. So that's all been really cool to, to kind of experience it. You know, sometimes I have to like really think about it because like since the pandemic time has just been weird for everybody. Um, but like just kind of looking back and, and it blew up in 2020. So um, just kind of looking back, it is crazy that it's gotten to this point, but I'm always appreciative that um, it is where it is now. So, Keandre, Hoop Intellect is like a one-man show, right? Like other places, they've got people scouting, giving like the, the info about the players, other people pulling clips, other people doing the editing for the channel. This is just the Keandre product, right? Like you're doing everything. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm... <laughs> I need to get you an intern, uh, my guy. I've been putting up uh, <laughs> triple doubles, no assists for the last three years. Um, 
I need some teammates for, for yeah. real. But um, yeah, it's, it's just me, you know, for everything from the graphics to the music to obviously the the information um, and the scouting that people, you know, really come for. That's all. That's all me. Um, it takes a lot of time, a lot of time that people don't ordinarily have. I've just been in an interesting position to be able to like do it. It's like a weird time period um, for me. Um, but yeah, it is. It's just all me. Can, can you give us, I don't know if this is like too deep in the weeds or or not, but can you give us an example of like, so for instance, you drop the, uh, the Amen Thompson scouting report, right? And you've got you know, all of them are about like, what, like eight to 12 minutes. You've got the pros, the cons of the player, um, the the draft range, all that stuff. From starting to put that video together to finish product uploaded on the channel, we looking at like a couple hours, 10 hours, like how much work goes into each of those videos? <laughs> um, so I guess it would just kind of depend. Um I get this question a lot and it's hard to like really calculate or come up with like a real number. I really should at some point kind of try to figure it out. Um, but only, I only say that because like throughout the year I'm cutting up games and that like, that doesn't necessarily count. Yeah. So like when I sit down and like, I'm going to make this video right now. Um, but like, there's a kind of accumulation of hours um, to put into things, but you know, I'll, I'll go through, you know, I got the, games i'll clip some games and you know have the other stuff that i already have and highlights and everything like that so i think it's probably like a couple days like i don't know like the hour amount that i would put on that but you know a couple days victor Wimanyama, more like a week because it's just so much to go through it's like how i was saying this uh before like that original video was like 30 minutes long and i had to like i had to trim it Flip to it some down. manageable you know yeah um sort of time so people could like consume it easily but like probably it's just so a little there, easier but... this season with him being on the the nba app <laughs> compared to previous yeah. years where we're all like scratching for any bits of like youtube highlights we can yeah. even get or, or live stream like last year i remember watching him on like one of the it's like vip league like dots whatever you know just trying to get a glimpse of wimby and uh and this year we're able to have him on the the nba app did that help you kind of uh being able to to put some of those clips together and get a little more content on Yama this year? Yeah, it actually, it helped in some ways. And it was also like a little bit more difficult because the NBA app, copyright, they wouldn't keep their games like on like the NBA. I'm going to quick, quick rant here, but the (laughs) NBA is like interface on their app, on their apps or on their website is like kind of iffy. Like there's not, it's not super accessible. Um, so like it would only be the most recent games that were on there sometimes. Um, so if I didn't clip it like at that moment or that week, then yeah. it was harder to access. So the other stuff, when they have it on LMB official site, you can actually go on there um, and watch those full games. Obviously, the, the commentary is isn't is in French, um, but, you know, it's we just come in for the game. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So that's 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 pretty much what I did this year. But, yeah, there's a lot of. A lot of different sources uh throughout all the videos and everything that i make so um, but it was more accessible this year just in, in general just because he is one of those guys definitely um speaking of like scouting a guy like Wembenyama, like he's almost an impossible one to miss on right like everybody has had victor at number one like since they heard the name basically and saw the kid i actually i, I saw was it that espn essay that um 
Gavoni and Windhorse did, where it showed Victor playing as like a like a twelve year old or whatever, and yeah. he's like, it looks like two kids, one stacked <laughs> on top of their shoulders of the other one. I'm like, dude, could you imagine walking into your local YMCA for little league and you got to play against that? Anyways, Keon, I'm going to put you on the spot here. So Victor's an easy one to scout. Who is a guy that that you've scouted? Maybe it's a recent draft. Maybe it's all the way back to like the beginning of the YouTube channel um, that you just totally missed on. Like a guy that you, well, that you were hyping up and they just completely crapped the bed, and you're like, "Oh my god, I this one was a swing and a miss." Um, yeah, totally. I'm trying to think quickly. Um, I think the first one that comes to mind that I was like really high on was maybe Kai Jones, and I still think that Ooh. he's had he's he's got potential to be a you know, role player in the league, like super energy guy. If you've seen the highlights, like he's still jumping out the gym, but mm-hmm. like that specifically a high ath- high level athlete who doesn't really do too much else substantial. That's like not something that I'm as, you know, high on now. And that's something I've kind of learned over time, but I was, you know, I thought he was a lottery guy. I think I had him like maybe 11th uh, in that class. So he'd definitely be one of those guys. Um, but I'm sure there's some others, but that was yeah. the first one that kind That's of comes a good to mind. So flip side of the coin then, who's a guy that maybe some other draft analyst like slept on that you were high on and you totally knocked it out of the park? Like th- this is your chance to brag on yourself. <laughs> um, you know, most of them. <laughs> let's see. I'm actually going to, I got to look up the, the drafts because You're good. it's always hard for me to, to think of them on the spot, but and also, I don't like, like every day, I don't like think about like, oh, yeah, I was I was right this time. You know, I remember when I was right that one time. Um, See, that's where you but, and I are different. I'd be talking all kinds of trash <laughs> on the guys I hit on. Um, Let's see. Let's see. I uh, uh, So kind of like you, Keandre, like growing up, big NBA fan, like Allen Iverson, that head on my wall. And then the Thunder come to town. And then my, my NBA fandom obviously became very uh, Thunder specific. But I remember just being ecstatic that the Thunder, like most Thunder fans, that they got PG three, Perry Jones the third. Like I was convinced. How did he fall to the Thunder in this position? Like this guy is literally. He gets to learn from Kevin Durant. He has the same exact, um, you know, stature. Like he can be that kind of player, that kind of score. And um, unfortunately, it didn't work out. But that was the first one that I really missed on. I think. Yeah, I mean, he was. He was, I was really young at that time. Yeah, me but too. He was, <laughs> Thanks for aging he was somebody, me, Andre. Appreciate that. <laughs> he was somebody I really liked when he was uh, in college. Um, obviously, like, just being from the area, like, I was yep. watching Big 12. So, mm-hmm. um, he was one of those guys. I think, to the answer to the question, I would probably, I would probably say that, I don't know if it's necessarily, like, lottery range, but... I still think like Moses Moody is going to be a really good player. And he was really a high contributor this year in the playoffs. Obviously it hasn't like fully come to fruition yet, but he's definitely somebody who, who I liked. And I think that um, is going to be, end up being a really good player. I think from, let's see the, and last year's draft, last year's draft almost doesn't count because like. It's still so fresh. Yeah. Yeah, my little brother definitely. here in the, in the comments, Keandre, said the first time I heard of J Dub was actually from Keandre, the YouTube channel. <laughs> 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I was uh, I was a big fan of of his last year. I I wish I would would have ended up being higher on him. I thought everything you know. I thought he had the tools and the skill set, of course, but I was just a little a little skeptical. The Santa Clara, like he wasn't the the burstiest dude, but like he can play and he played in in every situation uh, and he performed in every situation that they put him in. And I should have been a little bit more a little higher on him than than I ended up. I think he was like. 15 maybe on my board still obviously pretty close i obviously you know blew that out of the water immediately um but you know he was definitely something i actually have a story about that when i was watching him and i was putting that video together last year um i was you know trying to come up with a comparison it was really difficult to try to find one that i actually liked and you know the whole time i was watching i was like he kind of reminds me of Cade. And I was like, I can't make huh. that comparison because one, he just came in the league. He was the number one pick. But there are some similarities there that I, I see in their games. Um, probably not going to take on the same role. So I was like, ah, nah, we'll just throw that away. But then obviously in the league, you know, he is handling the ball, you know, averaging right. 25 and five at the end of the season. So um, maybe should have should have stuck my neck out a little bit and be like, hey, yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah. And I was about hey, to ask. You, you said you went to OSU, so you've probably never missed on an OSU prospect, right? You knock all those ones out of the park. I mean, they haven't they haven't really had had Marcus too many smart, smart Kate Cunningham. Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> yeah. it. Kate, who was the only one? So speaking of Hayden, Lynn. he played with the Boone Twins. Um, so we oh, know the okay, Boone's yeah, well. yeah. Yeah, I played I played against them in the in the Colvin a couple times so at Oklahoma played, State. Oh yeah, yeah. Nice, that's Here's, awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, while yeah. on the topic of J-Dub, let's take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to pick Keandre's brain about uh, the Thunder rookies that just finished up and then get into the 2023 class. All right, we are back. So, Keandre, we're, we were getting into J-Dub a little bit there, um, and, and you kind of dove in. The Kate comparison is actually like a really fascinating one. I think that's really interesting. Um but so the Thunder brought in four rookies last year. Uh, Chet, who we obviously didn't get to see play, unfortunately. Uh, J Dub, Usman Jang, and the other Jalen Williams, J Will out of Arkansas. Uh, from the three that we did get to see play, you've touched on J Dub a little bit. So those other two, can you talk about how you felt about those guys this time last year, uh, specifically Usman Jang and Jalen Williams out of Arkansas? Kind of what you saw from them in the pre draft process. 
And then now that they have their full rookie season under their belt, uh, where you kind of see them at now and what trajectory they're taking. Yeah, I was a big fan of Usman Jang last year. I thought he was a lottery pick, and I still think that he has a lot of upside, and I would you know, tell a lot of fans to be patient with him because that was kind of the, the pitch from the beginning. Um, and, you know, they knew that. Everybody knew that, you know, wherever he was going to end up. Um, but obviously, given his his size and fluidity and ability to do, you know, a multitude of things on the court in his, you know, second half of the season last year where he – how he turned it around and was able to do, um, you know uh, – and handle, you know, more ball handling responsibilities and creation and, and, you know, kind of flash that upside. That was really um, interesting to see. And it was part of the reason that he ended up being, you know, high on my board. And I, I, I enjoyed the, the, the pick for the thunder at that spot. And then for, you know, Jalen Williams, it was kind of more of like a, this is a guy who doesn't necessarily have the measurables. Isn't like a high level athlete. You have some concerns about, um, you know, some of the rim protection stuff, but, you know, he's a big time charge taker and he can, you know, protect the rim in that way. That obviously translated uh, immediately to the NBA. Um, but he's kind of one of those guys who, as a, as a playmaking big and it's somebody who could be a, a early second round pick, maybe late first. I think I had him going to the the Warriors at one point in, in one of my mocks last year. Um you know, towards the end of the first round, he's one of those guys who can come in and kind of, you know, serve as a hub, do a, a number of different things. And, um, you know, hopefully he could stretch the floor to kind of um, see the floor more often. And that, you know, kind of came to fruition as well a little bit more. So um, I was a big fan of the Thunders draft last year. I felt like it could have, I had s- some concerns about how it all fit together and like the sort of roles that they all play, you know, at, at the same time, but they were able to figure it out again, J dub being as malleable as he is and being able to take on different roles is a big reason that it has worked. Usman Zhang being a little bit behind um, or, you know, kind of taking a slower route in terms right. of his development is, a more raw is part of that too. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, Jay will being able to to kind of step up and and, and play more with Chet out, um, kind of uh, you know was a a decent surprise in, in terms of like him being able to play as early. So, well, you're nailing these transitions, Keandre, because you mentioned kind of what the the Thunder are looking for when they're drafting players, and um, you mentioned last year like love the players they drafted, but weren't sure originally how they would fit. But I think what we've kind of seen throughout the last couple of drafts is the Thunder are drafting a specific type of player, uh, extremely versatile length, um, can do a lot with the ball on their hands, both on ball, off ball, and obviously uh, versatility defensively as well. High IQ, high character guys. So that leads us to this year's draft. The Thunder obviously find themselves at pick 12 after having a more impressive season this past season than when they were picking at number two, getting Chet overall last year. So in that range, who do you think may be available at pick number 12 that you would like, um, like for the Thunder? It doesn't have to be one specific guy. It could be a handful of guys. But who are some guys that you think will be in that range that the Thunder could, could potentially select? Yeah, it's it's tough for the Thunder because, like, ideally you would have wanted – well, they had a great season. And so, like, that was – them being able to win and play as well as they did, that was always going to be, you know – the first thing on the list. Like that's, that's what we play the games for. Um, but ideally you want to be in the, the Taylor Hendricks, the Jairus Walker uh, type of range for that, you know, four man that can kind of slide okay. in right there. But we have a question here too. And maybe this is a good time to go ahead and throw it in. 
do you kind of have tier breaks in this draft? And if so, um, once you get to the tier of the Thunder and who are some guys maybe that you you could see being the Thunder's tier? Yeah, so I do. Um, I recently had them out on the, the last board that I dropped this week. Um, those are still kind of a preliminary, I would say. I'm still kind of workshopping some of those in terms of like where I want to exactly break certain things um, or interpret certain things. But yeah, so for the, for the Thunder, I think in that sort of general range, we've got guys like um, in Anthony Black after that. I think that he's going to go higher, but I think he would be in there. Kaysen Wallace, um, Grady Dick, and you know, there's a there's a longer list of of some others that could potentially be in that in that group. You know, a Leonard Miller might uh, slide in there. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are interested in Bilal Koulibaly the last couple months as he's kind of worked his way into the rotation for Mets 92 and performed really well. And obviously his ability to to defend at a high level on the wing and athleticism and kind of putting all the pieces together that we've kind of seen from him um, in the past. And then, you know, a guy like a Derek Whitehead. Now that'll be kind of contingent on the medicals Health, and how yeah. they feel about all that uh, type of stuff. But I think he's a guy who could kind of slot in there on the wing as somebody who has improved mightily as a three-point shooter. Um, and then obviously going back to high school, seeing what we saw him do at Montverde as this uh, a little bit more dynamic wing, had a little bit more pop to his game, um, able to finish above the rim a little easier. I've never that. heard this term before um, until this year. And I keep forgetting who mentioned this on Twitter, but I loved it. And I've started to use it now. I need to go back and find who it was so I can give them credit. Uh, maybe you'll you'll remember this, Keandre, but they're talking about Dreek Whitehead and they're talking about how he's healthier this year or he, he continued to improve from a health standpoint at Duke. But he, it, it wasn't necessarily the injuries, I think necessarily like holding him back uh, with that Duke team. He just, he he found the role that he fit best in and he did the same, like you mentioned at Mount Verde. So they called him an NBA chameleon and how, again, that kind of goes back to the versatility. I, I just found that interesting and yeah. we were discussing that's kind of what came to mind. Yeah, that's that's a that's a positive thing. You know, that was going back to kind of J-Dub, too. Just when I saw him in summer league, he played obviously a, a lot different than he did um, in the regular season, especially first half of the second half of the year. But like guys who are able to even given the limitations that Derek had having a surgery and kind of getting off to a slower start and kind of just happened to find his 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 niche as Tyrese Proctor and Jeremy Roach were handling lead ball handling responsibilities and you know they're just all kind of doing their thing already uh, outside of him he able he was able to to find that role and and play it extremely well um and again improve on the shooting in a way that we just we were kind of waiting on and looking to see coming into the year so that that type of stuff matters to me um again like it, it's going to depend on like what the surgery is it, do they think that it is something that's like debilitating is going to kind of keep routinely happening, happening in the future. Or is it just something that, you know, short term, he's going to be able to recover. And then he's also one of the youngest guys in his class and is somebody who, you know, might have a little bit more is his, is in like a buy low type of situation right now, because of all that as a guy who came into the year as a top seven kind of consensus guy. I love it. Um, one name you mentioned there in that list of possible Thunder guys at 12 that I want to pick your brain on a little bit. Uh, you don't have a scouting video up for him yet, I don't believe. Um, maybe it's in the pipeline soon. But Leonard Miller is a guy that a lot of Thunder fans are becoming um, big fans of as a guy that they could possibly take in this draft. Uh, measured out, I think, very impressively at the Combine. Um, I think we maybe talked about this in our last, last show. Um I understand why they do the measurements at the combine without shoes on. 
it just drives me nuts because nobody plays basketball without shoes. So why are we doing that? <laughs> but I think like six, nine and a half without shoes, seven, two wingspan weighs like two eighteen or something like that. He's very impressive. Uh, shot well on the, uh, the shooting drills, which who the hell really cares about that? It's like an open gym. Um, but tell us a little bit about uh, Leonard Miller, your thoughts on him uh, as a riser in this draft class after entering the combine last year and backing out and the, the growth you've seen in his game with the G league ignite this year. Yeah. So Leonard Miller kind of bursted onto the scene late in the class, in the cycle last year um, as this like, big point forward who was, you know, kind of dominating his competition up in Canada. And, you know, there was a lot of intrigue to that. He came to the combine and didn't perform very well, looked very much behind, you know, the rest of the guys in that class. And he made a great decision kind of, you know, delaying that NBA clock and, you know, going to the Ignite for a year and being able to play against G League competition and kind of hone things and, you know, really transformed his game in terms of a role perspective. Again, kind of, you know, hitting on that same point that we were before uh, he, before he came in as more like a point forward, kind of a wing and actually took on that like play finishing role with setting screens and, you know, operating from the high post and, and, you know, getting on the glass and doing things of that nature, obviously still grabbing and going in transition and doing those type of things on occasion. But, you know, just being a guy who is able to, you know, be productive at that level was definitely something that was uh, a positive sight to see. And he did it, you know, pretty much to the best of his abilities. He's putting up like 33 and 11, you know, some of those games uh, down the stretch and, you know, doing it with and without Scoot Henderson in the lineup. So, you know, as like you mentioned before, a guy who's about 6'10", 6'11", uh, is able to to guard multiple positions or at least will be able to, you know, effectively in time as he, you know, adds a little bit more strength and, you know, gets some more experience in those types of things. And is also somebody who can, you know, play inside, you know, play a little outside. The shot is definitely a big thing that's in question and will be. Um, Still is. Yeah. It down is, the line. It is I, impressive to see the development from, like you said, Andre, like yeah. we're watching raw tape of him, like up in Canada and, and throwing up three point shots. It, it was an ugly jumper and it, not necessarily pretty now, but definitely yeah. a lot of improvement. Um, you can tell getting in a, a program like G League at night was really beneficial for him. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's going to be something that's more long term. Obviously, if he ends up in OKC, that's something you feel very confident about uh, in the next you know two three years, um, just given the track record and uh, of you know Chip England and, and the guys who have come before him in, in the program. But that's one thing, and then just kind of being that guy who can can do a lot of the things and kind of slot into that that four spot and, and provide some, some things in the front court next to your guys in Shea in J dub in Giddy. Um, and also, you know, to a certain extent, we haven't seen Chet, but I'm sure he's going to be out there creating to a certain degree. Um, that's kind of the pitch for him. So two follow-ups on Leonard Miller real quick, you kind of just started to touch on it. Um, how do you feel like he would pair with Chet? We know Chet is like, this super mobile, you know, what's funny is actually last night, Keandre, I have this bad problem of going to bed really late and getting down a YouTube rabbit hole. And last <laughs> night I watched your video that you did last year of Chet, uh, just because I've been craving like any Chet content at all, because we haven't <laughs> got to see him play in so long. Um, and one thing you pointed out in your Chet video last year is just 
his ability to be able to guard so many different co- coverages in the pick and roll as the big man, he can hedge, he can switch. Uh, he's like an elite drop coverage type of guy. So A, how do you think Leonard Miller would fit next to Chet? And then B, a question that I've had a lot about the Leonard Miller fit with OKC is if you brought in Leonard Miller, you have a guy we just talked about, Nusman Jang. You have another guy we just talked about in Jay Will. You've got Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who's about to go into his third season. You've got kind of this collection of these kind of big forward slash front court guys that are all developing and vying for playing time. How do you see that kind of playing out? Would drafting Leonard Miller to Oklahoma City essentially just be getting him more G League reps with the blue instead of the Ignite? Um, so both of those, what kind of what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, so Chet is is gonna be interesting to see specifically how they handle it because you know, I think that he's gonna end up being at his best at the five, you know, whether that's finishing games or, you know, wherever, wherever it is, because just having somebody who is at least, at least not, not necessarily banging with the bigs, but like when you're finishing a game um, offensively, just the stuff that he can do in terms of spacing the floor and being able to, to make plays and those type of things. I think that he's probably going to be best there, but you also have, um, you know, the idea of him as a roamer and being able to to kind of protect the rim in that way. Um, so you have kind of all these different things that you kind of want to juggle. And I just want to see him on the court first before, like, I necessarily pin him into one certain thing. And, like, this guy fits the best with him. Obviously, sure. they would have more of a vision of that, being able to see him and know him every day um, than we have from two years or a year ago college. Um, but I think Leonard, like, in, in theory, like, I think that he's somebody who could – could work next to him um again you you do worry like somewhat about chet like physically like uh, this is like an overblown point and i've always been like one to say like he's strong he's able to navigate his body maneuver his body away from bigs and like everybody shared that during clip from the memphis game yeah when he flopped obviously but <laughs> three possessions in a row when they started the game he shut him down yeah and, you know held People up forget that part uh, you know they they try to that do the same thing with cool highlights i know they try to do the same <laughs> thing with Wimby as soon as he you know was last week with the lottery stuff showing mm-hmm. highlights of kenny lofton when he was dominant yeah. and almost USA, led him to a win USA, right um so it's like a number of different things like kind of trying to weigh with with chet and like do you want to put like more of a traditional five next to him and then, you know, go from there? Or do you want to put like Leonard Miller, Leonard Miller or Jalen Williams, like somebody who could potentially handle some of that stuff. Um, So it'll be interesting to kind of see. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like I go back and forth, like, is he best here? Is he best here? You know? Um, But in terms of like looking for, what was your second question? So they have guys like Usman Jang, Jay yeah, Will, okay. JRE. Yeah. How does Leonard Miller fit into it feels like there's a lot of guys trying to develop yeah. into that front court guy. Um that would bringing Leonard Miller in just muddy that up more. Is, is he ready to get NBA minutes now? Is he going to be more of a G League guy when he starts? I think that he he could play uh in the right situation. I think that he could play in this Thunder situation. They're going to have a they're going to need to make decisions there. And it's going to partially be based off of what 
Chet does because you're going to make those decisions like what do we want next to him? Um, but I think like honestly – he could play. Now, I I do like Usman Zhang a lot, and I probably would go in a different direction than Leonard Miller with this pick, but like I think that he's a at least a viable option or somebody who could uh potentially be um in contention for the for the pick. Gotcha. And you know, I totally forgot to mention in these guys that we're talking about with the Thunder that are these big forward type guys. Um I typically forget about him right now because he was injured for so long. But Alexei Pokashevsky had a hell of a start to the season playing the five as well. Um, so there's a lot of interesting pairings in that front court. A lot of Thunder player or Thunder fans do want a front court player with this pick. Um, but I think you bring up a really interesting point. Is there's like, I mean, people forget that Usman Jang was starting to put it all together. And with how young he is, if he does, like he could be a fascinating front court pairing with Chet as well. And I think as a frame, we've talked about this, put some size on. And if yeah. he's able to do that, to your point, Keandre, like you can easily play him at a four forward position uh, along at next to a Chet. And that's, that's fascinating to think about. Now, we, we've been talking about a lot of players in that 12 range that the Thunder find themselves in. And Keandre, you mentioned your recent video you have out talking about the tiers you have for this draft. But obviously, the Thunder have quite a few picks, specifically this upcoming year, 2024. They have four picks to likely convey. I think two of them are pick swaps, Utah and then uh, Houston's the other one um, alongside two additional picks. Like there, there's a world where they will have four first round picks next year. Yes, first round picks are extremely valuable, but you also can't use all of them. And so assuming that, you know, they aren't going to use all of them, they're going to use those to trade up or, or to consolidate if they do that, this draft and they're kind of in that next tier of players, um, who do you see them or, or who is in that range? Maybe you think it would be a really good fit for OKC if they were to trade up in this 2023 NBA draft. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would depend on, you know, where that is that they they traded up into. And um, I, I, think, I think probably like six to ten. I don't right. There's a lot yeah. of talk of that five. Portland pick being available. <laughs> Thunder have nothing that Portland would be interested in, I don't think. Agreed. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we kind of mentioned them before, but, you know, Taylor Hendricks, uh, Jairus Walker, those are, you know, some of the, you know, premier, more premier prospects in the class to me. Um, at this point, it would be in that like kind of second tier or second third ish type of tier outside of the the Victor Wimayamas and Scoop Hendersons for me uh, personally. Um, so those would be like obvious targets for a number of reasons. Um, they do, they play similar roles, but they have differences in their games. Uh, Taylor Hendricks is somebody who's a little bit more proven as a shooter. Um, probably I would say is probably the better rim protector, just given his size length. shot blocker. And, you know, he's able to get up a little quicker, but Jairus Walker is no slouch in that regard either. Um, and then he's able to make more plays. Taylor Hendricks is a little bit more, you know, behind in that aspect. So, um, but but either of those guys would be a definite person I think the Thunder would target. And again, like given that they do have so many picks over the, the next year and beyond, I think that they would definitely be, you know, prime candidates to to want to trade up either here or, you know, even trade up into, you know, behind 12 or, you know, go get another guy because I don't think that they have necessarily a ton of time to 
want to bring in a bunch of people and obviously contract wise and like given the roster, I don't think they have too much space to do that either. Um, but they want to like speed that kind of process up given how successful they were last year and just not wanting to like bring a guy in knowing that he's going to take a year or two just to like get as good as you, you want him to be, if that, if that makes kind of sense. So yeah, um, no, it definitely makes sense. For sure. And I think about like you mentioned Anthony Black earlier again, you kind of get to a point with this team, like how many Anthony Blacks, Josh Giddies, Usman Jenks can you have on the team? But Anthony yeah. Black brings so much more in terms of the defensive versatility, versatility defensive strength, a great point of attack defender, great playmaker, nice floater, needs to work on that jumper and the touch around the rim. Uh, but even like a Casey Wallace, a Grady Dick, that could potentially be in that range. Uh, even a star, if he were to fall a little bit, are all guys I kind of think mm-hmm. maybe that uh, could, could fall to the thunder if they were to trade up there. Yeah, those would those are those are all the guys who would be in that that kind of range for me. Um, six to ten, probably a little, maybe one of them drops to the Thunder, and I think that could be a possibility. You know, somebody is gonna usually somebody ends up, you know, taking a, their guy um, before that we all think it's gonna go a certain way. Yeah. But um, that's definitely those are definitely the guys. Definitely. So, Keandre, if I told you that on draft night the Thunder were moving up to um, like eight to that Washington pick. And um, all three of these guys won't be there at eight, but let's say at eight, they had the option of Jairus Walker, Taylor Hendricks, and Asar Thompson. Fit-wise, which one of those three do you like the most for Oklahoma City right now? Yeah. Um, I think that I like Taylor Hendricks most. Only because, and this is a really hard thing to do with the draft, and I've like talked about this. You see other people talking about this on Twitter. It's like, I like, well, you know, I do like Jairus Walker. I think it's like really close. Taylor Hendricks just being a better shooter and like having the guys that we know can make plays already. And it's going to, Shea is, Shea is one of those guys. So we want to put the ball in his hands as much as possible. Giddy is, uh, top playmaker in the league. We know we've seen him pass the ball. We do do what he did. J-Dub is, is proving himself to be one of those guys. So it's like that's a lot of mouths to feed already in the lineup. And for Jairus to be unlocked, you kind of want him to be able to do certain things with the ball, be able to make you know, a few more point. plays on the short, short roll. In the high post, um, in the short roll, yeah. Yeah, and Taylor Hendricks is being more of a play finisher, even being able to finish lobs a little easier and, you know, um, knock down threes, like we said before, um, at a higher clip. I think that that's probably a little more appealing right now. Just like if we're just wiping everything away, be like, who's the best fit for this team next year immediately? I'll probably go with Hendricks. But um, I don't think you can go wrong with either either all three of those guys. Okay. I love it. Um, last one before we move on to our last section. You mentioned him earlier. He's a guy that I'm really high on for the Thunder. I think would fit really well. Um, can you give us the quick elevator pitch for Casey Wallace? Yeah, Casey Wallace. He's one of my favorite players to watch in this class. I love watching him defend. Um, obviously, being you know about six four, being a, a dog of a point of attack defender, being able to cut off drives and um, you know do things in that way and shut people down, uh, and also being able to absorb contact guard up a little bit more than his you know size would necessarily suggest, uh, and also being an instinctive. Uh, defender off the ball and being able to make plays there in in ways that we don't necessarily see from freshman guards uh, immediately, like what he was doing in the, in the champions classic and against Michigan state, 
was, you know, NBA veteran type of stuff. And he was doing that from the jump. Uh, and, you know, there's always a, a little bit of growing pains for those for those freshman guards. But that's that's the the main pitch for him is defensively. He's going to bring that to the table and do that at a very high level um, from the jump. And then also I buy him as a shooter. I think that he's at least going to be solid at the next level. I think that he is a, a very good bet to play off the ball uh, for that reason. And he's also able to make plays at a solid level, run a pick and roll, and also get into you know the dribble pull up uh, in the in the in the mid range at a decent level. There's some concerns about you know him being able to get to the basket and um, you know just in his creativity overall as an offensive player. That'd be the biggest hesitation behind him. But as a guy who can defend at a high level, you know knock down a shot and you know make a play for another guy in sort of a complementary role, it might not be like the your lead guard, but um, in that sort of role, that's that's the pitch for him. And I think next in this Thunder situation, even with the Lou Dort here, wherever he goes, you know, whatever the, the the plans are, I think that he's somebody who could fit in and play maybe a little bit more with a little more, more versatility than people are kind of pinning him with the point guard. I think that he could play yeah. on the wing a little easier than, than people think. So Jake and I actually were talking about this uh, Sunday for a little bit. His numbers did dip at the end of the season, but he was kind of forced into the, to your point, Keandre, more of a main uh, ball handler role. And we saw those numbers dip there, but when he was playing with the full strength Kentucky team and uh, wasn't re- relied on quite as heavily to be that, that main playmaker, that main ball handler, that's where we saw the catch and shoot numbers be a lot better. Like you said, the three point shot in general, and even just a little more uh, playmaking it off, you know, off ball and moving off ball. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think he has a, a lot more than he was able to even showcase at Kentucky. Yeah, yeah I like sure. him a lot. He tell me if I'm <clears throat> wrong here. He defensively, he gives me Davion Mitchell from Baylor vibes. Yeah, he's a little he's a little bigger, not as like Davion is like top one percent of like lateral movers and being able to mirror, but Kaysen is up there. He's like yeah. he's right there. He he's he's a guy I've really grown on throughout the draft process. All right, we're going to hit another break real quick. On the other side, uh, we've got chat questions for Keandre, and we're going to do a little game before we get out of here. All right, we are back. Um, Keandre, a few questions in the chat we want to get answered uh, by you real quick. Uh, this first one, um, J-Dub's stats were better than Jalen Brown's 21-year-old stats, and he has the same physical tools. What do you think J-Dub's ceiling is after seeing his rookie season? Man, I, you know, I always do the ceiling and floors for the the draft prospect videos, but those are always rough, you know, like rough estimates. I honestly don't want to put too much of a ceiling on J-Dub. I think that he can be an all-star um, from what he showed. I don't necessarily think Jalen Brown is like the the sort of goal for him because, you know, Jalen Brown has certain things in his game that you don't necessarily love, but I think, yeah, I definitely think that he could be an all-star for sure in in this OKC situation. Love it. Next one. Um, they just want your opinion on Derek Lively. Maybe I'm assuming probably as a Thunder fit. Yeah, Derek Lively, you know, in, in a lot of other classes, he would be, you know, the best rim protector or, you know, probably not last year, but in a lot of other ones, um, somebody who really came on as the year went on and he was able to get a little bit more acclimated and kind of get more minutes, earn those uh, high level rim protector, somebody who can play, you know, a few coverages in the pick and roll definitely excels um, and, and drop. Um, and, you know, on the offensive end is able to use his athleticism and length 
to finish plays. Now he's got to improve as a screener a little bit more and also either shoot the three or, you know, and or improve his touch around the rim in terms of like little floaters or finishing things beyond dunks. But as that guy who can, you know, anchor a defense and, you know, block shots and, and finish plays around, you know, your big time playmakers, that's really the pitch for him. Um, in the OKC situation, I don't know. Like, that's the thing going back to Chet. Like, if you want that next to Chet um, and have Chet playing more perimeter oriented and less, you know, of the, the lob stuff and, you know, set, screen setting and all that kind of stuff that we saw him do at times against Zaga, then I think that makes sense. But if you want to go in a different direction, I probably would just given that in crunch time, Derek Lively would probably end up being on the bench um, for those most optimal lineups. Then I'd probably go in a different direction. Love it. Um, Big Mike and Z asks, who are you picking as a late riser in this class? Kind of like what J-Dub did last year. Yeah, J-Dub is a one of a kind because he was he was not like really looked at as a legitimate NBA prospect. And, you know, I I saw him at times and I was like, you know, he, he's interesting, but I didn't really like dive into the Santa Clara film as much as um, in games that they weren't playing Gonzaga. I saw him drop Chet that one time and I was like, you know, there might be something there. <laughs> uh, but um, I don't know if there's going to be somebody like that. I think Kobe Bufkin has kind of risen over mm-hmm. over time in a big way. I think he's somebody who could end up being a, a lottery pick from, you know, a late lottery pick for a certain team. Um, so that would probably be the closest. And then what about the Santa Clara kid from this year? Brandon Pozimski. Yeah. He's been a big, uh, late riser as well. I don't, I'm not sure like if we're talking lottery, but like in overall, just first you know, round, rise, late first round. Yeah. yeah. Top 20 potentially. I think that he could, yeah. he could be one of those guys. He seems really fun. And I love that he played at the combine, um, yeah. in the five on five. He's, he's really fun. Uh, last one we'll get here. Do you find it difficult evaluating players who play in professional leagues versus college versus G League Ignite? Uh, I think if you want to go in a soapbox of uh, overtime elite here as well and the challenge of scouting that as well, I think that'd be uh, interesting. But what are the challenges of scouting guys from these different levels of basketball? Yeah, so everything is different. So you always try to get as much context as possible, not only on the court, but like, in terms of like what their coaches are trying to to execute and, you know, um, things from the past, you know, the other players that they're playing with just kind of give you enough context as possible to like, so you're informed on everything that's going on. So that's like one of the more main difficulties with some of these international leagues or, um, you know, non-college alternatives. Obviously college, we have the track record. We know what things look like. Big 12, we know how that game is played there. We know the, the SEC and, you know, how Big Ten, Big Ten basketball differs from from other conferences. So we have all that context. That's obviously uh, a lot easier than than um, other things. But, yeah, you kind of just try to try to look at certain things that are translatable. You know, how are people playing or playing, you know, off the ball and, you know, the, the type of shots that they're getting, um, evaluating, you know, defense and in the context of things, how's the spacing on certain ends of the floor. So you kind of just try to take as much detail as you can from, from all parts of the game and then um, try to put it together. Overtime Elite, of course, is brand new. Um, also, before I get into that, the G League, we kind of have a little bit more context too when we see certain players that play in the NBA. Obviously, it's a little bit different game, but 
we know everything. Like we know these players, it's a, they're playing more NBA style. It's a little bit easier to to look at the ignite than it would be, you know, the college game um, or you know any alternative that is out there. Um, but for the overtime, this is brand new. We're kind of getting reference points all over the place. Whether it's the Jalen Martins and, and Jay Gortz going to the combine and elite camp and you know performing at a, at a solid level and just getting to see them against those college guys, or it's the um, you know, uh, my mind is blinking. Why my, my mind is blinking? Uh, <laughs> what is his like... name from a OTE? Um, I can't. I I know absolutely nothing about the. OTE. I know. I know. I know. Um, but anyways, yeah. Whether it's it's those two or um, you know, seeing what uh, Yam Montero did last year, and Don Barlow. Course, Don Barlow, you know, there, I, you there you go. That, yep. I'm I'm losing my I, mind. I wouldn't he have played really well. <laughs> yeah. Um, he played really well down the stretch of the season, and it was good to yeah. see like that from what we saw last year. Um, so just kind of getting all those reference points, and then obviously the Thompson twins are two very unique prospects in themselves. Um, so that's that's a difficult thing. We'll know better in time, but yeah, just kind of kind of taking everything for what it is. Nice. I I always said leading up to this combine that it'd be awesome if a men and a star played in the scrimmages, just because yeah. we've never seen them go up against like guys of that level before. There's obviously no way in hell they would do it, right? The, the only thing that would happen with that is stock would drop. Like their stock wouldn't rise. Yeah. Um, but I still thought it'd be fascinating. Keandre, before we let you go, uh, Taylor and I want to play a little game. We're going to give you the name of a guy in the 2023 class. It's just rapid fire. We're, we're going to shoot off a name. You respond with an adjective, single word that describes that guy. First thing that comes to your mind. Sound good? Yeah. All right. I will kick us off, and then Taylor, you take every other name. Cool. Uh, first one, we got to start with Wemby. Generational. I thought you were going to say that. It's <laughs> a great one. A little tougher one, Leonard Miller. Toolsy. Okay. Case yeah. and Wallace. Dog. Oh, I love it. That's a good one. Scoot. Dynamic. Okay. Jairus Walker. Good one. Physical. Yeah, that boy, his measurements at the combine. Holy <laughs> shit, he's a big boy. <laughs> he is. It's crazy. Brandon Podjimski. Nick had to uh, correct me on that one early on this year. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say crafty. I know that's kind of a... Uh, attributed to white guys only sometimes, but it's it's is there. It's got there. that sneaky athleticism. Yeah. Uh Ray and Repair. Raw. Okay. Oh, that's good. Asar Thompson. I was gonna say I'm trying not to say the same things again. Um special. Okay. Uh, Keontae George. Bucket. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one, too. And then last one, you mentioned him earlier, Taylor Hendricks. Tough. Go oh. tough. Nice. I like that. My favorite one's well the Casey Wallace one. Don't need more dogs. dogs. Get me Casey Wallace over here. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, Keontae, before we let you go, uh, plug all your stuff. Tell everybody where they can find you uh, and what content you have coming up on the YouTube channel over the next four weeks leading up to the draft. 
Yeah, so you can find me on YouTube, Hoop Intellect. Um, we'll be dropping scatter reports, you know, very often until leading up to the draft. You know, like the guy you said, Leonard Miller, that will be coming up um, in the next week or so or whenever it is. Uh, got some stuff on Twitter, you know, Hoop Intellect. You can find me on there as well. Probably be posting a little more clips uh, closer to the draft just on certain things. I know people like and enjoy seeing it in that format, um, but I'm kind of busy at the, at the moment. But yeah, that's that's where you can find me. I'm on IG as well. Um, probably won't post too much there until like summer league and everything. But yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Of course, it's always great to catch up with you, Keonjay. Uh, we will be at summer league as well, so we'll have to link up at some point. Hopefully for that Chet versus Wemby matchup that uh, <laughs> I I pray to every god listening that we get. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on. It's always very insightful. You guys go if Keonjay is not already in your YouTube feed in your cycle for draft stuff. Um, stop what you're doing right now and go make it part of your cycle because his stuff is must watch as you prepare for the NBA draft. Uh, We will be back with you guys Sunday night, 9 p.m. as always. So enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you soon. Until then, thunder up. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.